whether you're pitching to your close-knit project team over Zoom, presenting as a keynote speaker to a packed conference hall, or writing an entire book, great stories are at the heart of any effective communication. And no modern non-fiction author spins a better yarn than Dan Pink, the man behind bestsellers like Drive, When, and more recently, The Power of Regret. The psychology of regret and its many incarnations might sound like denser eating, but Dan proves it doesn't have to be. Some of the first-person case studies in The Power of Regret are as moving and thought-provoking as any great fiction tale, which makes the underlying science much, much easier to remember and understand. Dan really is a master storyteller. But how does he know which stories are the best ones to use to get his points across? My name is Dr. Amantha Imma. I'm an organizational psychologist and the founder of behavioral science consultancy Inventium. And this is How I Work, a show about how to help you do your best work. On today's My Favorite Tip episode, we go back to an interview from the past and I pick out my favorite tip from the interview. In today's show, I speak with Dan Pink, and this extract starts with me asking Dan where he finds all the great stories that go into his books. So for this book, The Power of Regret, I relied on three um, legs of a research stool. The first leg was looking at some existing science on this emotion of regret uh, in particularly uh, social psychology, developmental psychology, cognitive science, neuroscience, um, to try to say what does science, existing science tell us about this emotion. The second leg was something that I called the American Regret Project, which was a piece of quantitative research, numbers-based research, where I did a uh, very large public opinion survey of the U.S. population, the largest survey of U.S. attitudes about regret ever conducted, and tried to find some insights there. And then the third, and this is going to get to your question, is I also set up something called the World Regret Survey, which was a giant collection tool. Um, where I invited people from around the world to submit a regret. And to my astonishment, we got 15,000, you know, very, very quickly. And we're now over 19,000 regrets from people in 105, 109 countries right now. And, um, and on that, what I did, so, so first of all, on that one, I read through at least the first 15,000 regrets and started separating out the ones that I found super compelling. What's more is that, I gave people who filled out the survey the option of including their email. It was anonymous, but they could include their email address if they wanted to have a follow up interview. And so um, and so I read through the regrets. I found I found certain ones that were compelling. If there were ones that were compelling and the person was willing to talk to me, I would reach out to them by email and do interviews. So I did hundreds of interviews to try to find the very best, most compelling stories. And. How do you know when a story is going to be effective enough to get your point across? It's a good question. I don't know if you know, um, and I don't have a, a way to do that. I mean, some of it is a some of it is a gut some of it is a gut instinct. I, I, I the, what I tend to do is I tend to tell the story to somebody else and see whether they lean in or their eyes glaze over. That's to me sometimes a good test. Um, and also, the other thing about it is is that the stories you use are not equally weighted. 
That is, sometimes a story can be brilliant for three sentences. You know what I mean? And, and it doesn't deserve much more than that. Sometimes a story needs three pages. And so I think that knowing how much weight the story deserves is, is really important as well. And one of the things that I think that, that, that less experienced writers do is that they don't weight the stories properly. That is, they think, like, well, I found out all this information about this person. Therefore, I need to report it. Um, and that's often that's often a mistake. And knowing like, oh, my gosh, I've done three interviews with this with this person and it's taken me three and a half hours of my life. But you know what? I just need a sentence. You got to be good with that. Um, and that's that's really important. The same thing is true with research. Um, you have to be able to explain the research thoroughly enough, but in a way that serves the readers rather than validates your decisions to do the research. So uh, let me be specific there. So there's in the book I wrote about, um, I looked at some of the research on when children develop the capacity for regret. So a lot of developmental psychology, lots and lots of experiments of giving say five-year-old scenarios and then seven-year-old scenarios and then nine-year-old scenarios and seeing whether they comprehend the idea of regret. There, I probably read. I probably spent a month reading these papers and looking at some textbooks and 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 things. Probably ended up reading, I don't know, 50, 55 studies on this question. And when I got to writing it, I realized I could explain it all in like a paragraph. Wow, that must take a lot of restraint. It does. Believe me, it does. But here's the thing. Here's the way I look at it. It's like. The only thing worse than saying, oh, crap, I just took a month of work and only got a paragraph out of it. I don't like that. Believe me, that's not a happy day in the pink household or in the in pink ink world headquarters here. That is not a happy day. Um, however, what is an even worse day is torturing readers, is giving readers something that they don't need. That really bugs. That bugs me even more. So it's a question of, as, as is often the case in life in general, in my life in particular, which variety and intensity of discontent do you prefer? And how do you know that you are going to be torturing readers? I guess that's the key question. Like, how do you know that they don't want a whole chapter around kids and regret? I have a, I, I, that I think is easier because if it bores me, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I don't want to read this. Mm. Um, I, I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's a lot, I think that's a lot easier. Um, and again, you know, what you want to do is you want to, um, my, I mean, this is my own bias, but I think I've always, I, I think that most nonfiction books, and I've gotten in trouble for saying this, but I think that most nonfiction books are too long. I think that most books would be many of many books would be twice as good if they were half as long, because I think that that they the authors aren't concise enough. There's too much fluff in them and that many of these books probably don't deserve to be full fledged books. And so I try to be pretty relentless about what I what I put in there and what and more important, what I leave out the high. I mean, my favorite compliment in this book was I was in the UK two weeks ago and I did an interview radio interview. And the producer said, you know, this book is, this book is, is really good. Like there's no fluff. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. There's no fluff. I love Dan's test of telling people stories he's thinking of including in his books and seeing if they lean in or if their eyes glaze over. 
It's something that I've started to adopt myself for when I'm hunting for stories to share in my keynotes and in my writing as well. And I found it infinitely useful. If you're looking for more tips to improve the way that you work, I write a short fortnightly newsletter that contains three cool things that I've discovered that help me work better, ranging from software and gadgets that I'm loving through to interesting research findings. You can sign up for that at howiwork.co. That's howiwork.co. How I Work is produced by Inventium with production support from Deadset Studios. And thank you to Martin Nimba, who does the audio mix for every episode and makes everything sound so much better than it would have otherwise. See you next time.